problem, as you can plainly see. One minute he's 40, the next he's 33. Big John keeps a changing before your very eyes. He's 25, and then 19, then 12 years old in size. Big John, little John, what a way to grow. Everybody, it's the Dave Joscow Podcast, an all-new one, Wednesday, April 13th, Wednesday night. Night fly. Hello, everybody. It's going to be a great day by myself again, the way we all like it. I mean, Irene is a lot of fun. She is a lot of fun, but damn, she is loud. I thought I was loud. I can't figure out my guest in the microphone. I mean, I definitely need a producer because the producer would have said, oh my God, this girl is loud. It's my fault because all my guests are always so not loud. I have to turn it up more. So I'm like, all right, this time I'm going to turn it up extra more. And then then she becomes so annoying. I don't even want to listen to the podcast anymore. But I love her and she's fun. But uh, yipes. But I don't know. Nobody had a problem with it, right? But, uh, you know, fun, interesting podcast last week, I guess. But uh, come on, I mean, you know, it's quick. I missed a bunch of stuff I want to do to make it old school. I got a lot going on. I got some news. I got some not news. I got some ridiculousness. I mean, today is going to be an old-fashioned, the way the Dave Juskow podcast is supposed to be. And let me tell you something. It's not easy. It's not easy. This is not an easy podcast to sell. I mean, it is all over the place. You know I like talking about everything. And what we're doing today, I mean, listen, you know, PodFest 2016 is coming up. I got an email from Andrea Simmons, you know, the the, the person in charge of PodFest 2016. And she's like, uh, listen, uh, your sale on tickets is zero right now. So what's your plan? And I'm like, well, I told you there wasn't going to be a plan until... May 3rd, you know, after I finished the Godfather thing. And she goes, well, we need to publicize it right away. And I'm like, yeah, listen, um, I also told you probably not to use me in the show because my fan base, my limited fan base, and you know who you are out there, doesn't come to PodFest shows. You know what I mean? You're not going to sit in the audience and watch a couple of people speak. I mean, we've been, we're, we're old. We don't do that. We go to fun shows. We go to the Godfather. We go to something interesting where you're providing entertainment. People just sitting around talking. I can watch that on TV. It seems something wrong about that when you go to a live podcast thing, right? Even if it's the best. Even if it's Mark Marin. I suppose it's just like doing stand-up comedy, but you're just sitting there watching an idiot, an idiot perform, but you hope he's going to be animated. On a podcast, most people aren't even animated. You know, they're all like Dick Cavett all of a sudden. Having a little coffee today. All right, let's get down to business. Um, yeah, so I don't know what I'm going to do about PodFest. I do not know what I'm going to do. Uh, I don't know how to get people in the seats. I mean, um, you know, I think they put me on because they thought Sarah was going to come in. And I'm actually, I asked Sarah to do it, even though I hate her now. It's all right. Uh, I asked, you know, I, I was going to ask her, but she's coming in the day after. Wouldn't you figure? So what can I do? She's not going to be my guest. I, I would have been embarrassed to ask her anyway. So I asked Rachel Feinstein. 
uh, maybe she'll do it. I, I swear. I mean, I mean, I want to do it. I think it'll be fun to do a live show. But I mean, yeah, of course, there's zero tickets. Nobody cares. So last night I did uh, Red Eye with Tom Shalou, which is on at three in the morning on Fox News last night. I couldn't tell anybody last week because I only found out on Friday. So what Tom, Tom Shalou is the host of Red Eye. It's a show that's on three in the morning on Fox News. And I've been asking to be on it for a while uh, because, you know, I just like being on television and talking. And it's a nice late night show. And that's my thing. We just play the Nightfly song. You know, I like late night. And it's quiet and it's interesting, but um, you know it's it's um, it's a good show and uh, it's fun and Tom's great and I've known Tom for a long time and I really like him. So he's like, listen, I can get you on the show if you come up with maybe a sports political crossover somehow. Maybe we could do that. And I came up with this really brilliant thing, and they let me do it. He uh, told me on Saturday, yeah, the the producers love it, but. I don't know whether I executed it the way I really wanted to. I came up with this really good plan. We take the two top seeds in both conferences in the NBA, so and I assign them to the candidates, meaning, and I can completely describe this. It's very smart when you hear it, but oh, it just didn't come off that way on the damn show. I, I, I'll tell you why in a second, but here's the plan. The Golden State Warriors are Donald Trump. The Golden State Warriors who are playing the game like nobody's business, right? Like no, like nobody can seem to play the Golden State Warriors. They're just not expecting that somebody, oh, I don't know, came along and just said, oh, let's just shoot some threes and maybe we'll start winning. I mean, I think it's all in our mind. Like I always said, if I was going to coach somebody in the NBA, I'm just going to start shooting threes. I mean, it's the most obvious thing to do to score a bunch of points. You take the chance. Why not take the chance? Because if it goes in more than not and you just keep practicing threes, you're going to win the game by a lot. And that's what's been happening. And all the other teams are like, I, I don't know what's going on. What's, what's happening here? Like, they're so confused. It's the exact same thing as Donald Trump. Donald Trump gets up. He starts saying, "You, everybody sucks. Politicians just suck. He's just telling it like it is. He's telling it like you or I would run. I mean, it's a little off base, but you know what I'm saying. He's telling it. He doesn't care about the consequences, and the people love it. They love it. And he's just doing – I mean – there's not like anybody couldn't have done this before, but the other candidates are like, I, I don't know how to handle it. I don't know how to handle it. So, okay, Golden State is Trump. Makes sense. Ted Cruz is San Antonio. Uh, the Spurs, older, uh, more, you know, more of a regular campaign with values and an older, you know, the way they play the game, the way it's supposed to be played uh, for the Republican Party. You know, the nonsense that you get from the Republican Party and all that, and that's the San Antonio Spurs, right? Plus, they're all from Texas. Makes sense. Um, the Cleveland Cavaliers are Hillary Clinton. Um, LeBron James, Hillary Clinton, they're both, they were supposed to run away with it this year. And then the Golden State Warriors and Trump came along, and they're like, what? How can this, what's going on here? They're supposed to win it all easily, but something happened. And then Toronto Raptors, which is the number two seed, if you can believe it, is Bernie Sanders, right? Because, I mean, at the beginning of the season, were you going to say you knew Golden State was going to be there, you knew Cleveland was going to be there, you are pretty sure San Antonio was going to be there, but did you see the Toronto Raptors coming? No. And that's Bernie Sanders. Nobody at the beginning of the season saw all this coming. And then Tom Shalhoub said, oh, well, why isn't Ted Cruz Toronto? Because he's from Canada. And I go, Ted Cruz is from Canada? <laughs> I mean, he told me later, and we did it as a bit on the show, but I had no idea Ted Cruz was from Canada. I think it's, it's so ridiculous 
that one of those Republican guys from Canada and they're just not eating that up. You know, it seems like that's all. I mean, Jesus, did they give Obama so much shit for possibly not being from Hawaii? I mean, Jesus Christ. This guy's from Canada. He's running in the Republican. You're better off running as a Democrat, dummy. Anyway, I didn't know. So that was my plan. And then I said for the playoffs, if things the way they are now, you know, as of, you know, it's all happening tonight, you know, huge game, Golden State, huge game, Golden State going for the record, going to beat the Bulls, greatest record of NBA time. So it's very exciting game tonight against Memphis. And um, there's a couple other teams playing tonight. You don't know Kobe Bryant's last game as a Laker which affects the Golden State thing because they're playing Utah. They should win, but the Lakers will probably pour it on and Kobe will play no matter what he has to do to probably try and get a win. So I said, okay, Golden State's playing Utah. Golden State has trouble with Utah. Utah, uh, Ted Cruz won Utah handedly. So is Trump going to have trouble with Ted Cruz? It all works out in the playoffs. And even if they play Houston, that's a Texas team, so he's going to have some trouble. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs are going to play Dallas. That's an all-Texas Ted Cruz matchup. We're going to see how that turns out. Cleveland's playing Detroit. Bernie Sanders won Detroit. Is Hillary going to have trouble with Detroit with Bernie Sanders, the metaphor? And then Toronto's playing Indiana. The Indiana election hasn't been decided yet. Toronto's a non-entity. We don't know what's going to happen in New York when the elections happen and then things will happen. So will it combine with the playoffs? I just didn't wasn't able to describe it as well even if I did that now as I did on the show last night because then Tom wrote it up and he put it on the teleprompter and I got confused because he wanted me to face the blackboard and and I'm pretty good at reading off the teleprompter but he wanted to make it kind of manic and I was looking at the teleprompter for a little and then I came back and you know I was getting confused and he was asking me questions I, I don't you know I'm an idiot and I'm not used to it and um I'm not a very good improviser, even though I improvised this whole show for an hour. Uh, I don't know. You know, I'm just good and bad, and I have a couple of things. And basically, you know, if they have me on again, I told them, I'm like, well, I can do quotes for movies. You know, they were talking about this uh, Led Zeppelin suing this band that ripped off uh, Stairway to Heaven. And, of course, I immediately just go, well, let me tell you something, Tommy. I mean, if you ever want to get laid, I mean, playing Led Zeppelin 4, side 2 is the only way to go. You know, I'm doing my demo. That's my contribution. I'm not going to do anything smart or political, but I think the show could use us. I, th- I think we have men in the newspaper, right? They might like a story like that. They might. So um, that's the story. On Red Eye last night, I don't think you can find it anywhere. My friend just sent me a snapshot. I mean, I watched it last night, this morning. I wasn't even up at three. Um, I was up at four. I've been up at five. That's why I have to have coffee all the time. I've been waking up at five o'clock and just being up for the day and then passing out at like 10, 30, 11. And usually I fall asleep in front of the TV a little bit. And then I wake up and I'm up, you know, for another two hours. But this time I've been going to bed and actually falling asleep. I don't know what's going on. I guess that happens every once in a while with me. Um, I just get in these patterns where I end up waking up at five or six or and then I'm up for the whole day. It's like a pattern of some sort. I don't know what causes it. I mean, obviously stress, but I'm only stressed when I wake up. And I'm not even sure about what. I'm as stressed like everybody else. Uh, nervous about May 3rd a little bit for The Godfather. I'm not nervous about it, and it's going to happen. I just found out Artie can't do May 3rd. I know. 
He, I just found out today. He's like, no, he's going to. Ed His producer called me. He's like, he's going to Edmonton that day. I'm like, well, what the? F what was he going to tell me that? He's like, I don't, I don't know. He just found out. I mean, he's such a mess. I tried to text him. The text failed, and his producer's like, yeah, we're not getting texts today. I mean, it's, it's such a shit show over there. Plus, I was supposed to do the live show at the Stress Factory on Friday, and I found out it was at three o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm like, oh my god. And then apparently, when everyone found out it was at three in the afternoon, the whole show got canceled. Plus, poor Vinnie Brand who owns the Stress Factory, just had to take time off because apparently Margaret Cho had a huge breakdown uh, the last weekend. I was about to go in and say hello to her. She had a huge meltdown, and he's got to refund everybody's money. That's got to be a pain in the ass. So Stress Factory is out. I might do Artie's uh, show tomorrow. This will come out tonight. It'll be tonight. Um, they want me to do it at night again, but you know, I'm like afraid. I'm, like, I, I'm already tired thinking about it. You know, I mean, what am I? I mean, let uh, let's hope I get there at seven and I could leave at midnight. That would be acceptable. But you know, I I, I don't think I could do another, you know, midnight till six a.m. <laughs> podcast. And I could if we knew we were going midnight to six. But those breaks where he's sleeping, it just always sounds so soothing when somebody's snoring. You know, unless it, they're snoring in the bed next to you. It always, the people snoring just sounds so relaxing. Um, and then it makes me tired and it, you know, then I'm a mess the next day. Just a mess. Like anybody would be, you know. And that's not even from drinking or anything. I mean, obviously, I always want to do the show and I like it. But whatever. That is the situation. Uh, Richard Klein called me today. He's still in. So that's good. I, I emailed Colin Quinn today to possibly ask him to take over the role of Clemenza. That would be huge. I don't know whether he's interested in doing it, but i taking a shot. I don't know. I mean, I know it'll all work out. Plus, I could have practiced my stand-up. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, um, you know, I got I got all new material, or I have to get new material, and then I got to practice it. Yipes. I think I'll try and go on stage uh, maybe this Sunday. You know, I got an open spot on Sunday at the Broadway Comedy Club whenever I want it. So... It's a good place to practice. And me and Irene, you know, we were supposed to do the show down at this thing. And then this guy, all of a sudden, he's like, yeah, please do it again. I have all the dates open. And he's got no dates open. So there's that. I went to my mother's house this Saturday. Cleaned out. She's got a whole bunch of books, you know, she needs me to clean out. And I'm like, you know what? I was going to drop it off. And I'm like, well, they're all available on eBay. So now i got to put up all this eBay stuff, which I kind of enjoy doing. But those books are so books are so heavy. I take, take them out in like five, six garbage bags. Also, I think my next door neighbor is making crystal meth and the smell is driving me insane. And I don't want to call the management company or anything because, you know, I'd feel horrible. If, you know, somebody smelled me getting high and they call the cops. Or, you know, I, I don't want to, but, you know, it, it's creeping into my department and it's it, my apartment and it's not pot smell, which is delightful. It's a yucky, rubbery tire fire smell and it's making me sick and I don't know what to do about it so that's a problem this is what's been going on this week a lot of nonsense now next week I'm going to have that lovely Mary Edgerton on and we're going to talk NBA I mean this girl who knows the, she knows the, two things I mean she's very smart she's a Cornell graduate she's going to law school she knows the Oscars really well and for some reason or another, she really knows and is completely into the NBA. I mean, she cannot be on the podcast today because she is at home watching the Golden State Warriors and their final game. I mean, she is committed. 
So she will be on the podcast next week talking about the NBA. While we're here, let's talk the hockey playoffs start tonight. Now, I love playoff hockey. I don't know how many of you, a lot of people don't like hockey. You know I like hockey. I like the Devils. Season didn't end well for us. But um, whether you like a team or not, I mean, playoff hockey is just, it's just fantastic. Can't explain why. Even watching it on TV is great. I can watch, you know, Edmonton play Vancouver at 1 in the morning and be completely riveted. And I could never do that with a regular season game. There's just so much on the line. It's exciting, especially, you know, when it goes to overtime. There's no shootouts. It's all just keep playing. Now, the funny thing is this year, no Canadian teams made the playoffs. Not one. It's a complete embarrassment. I mean, it's a Canadian sport. It's a complete embarrassment. Not one Canadian team. Losers. Screw you, Ted Cruz, now that I know. So uh, I just want to go over some of the matchups because I enjoy this. Florida is playing the New York Islanders. The New York Islanders are depleted. I know a lot of the New York papers are saying the Islanders can win. There's no reason they couldn't win normally, but they are a mess. So I think Florida is going to win that matchup. Um, Tampa Bay is playing Detroit. I see no reason why Tampa Bay shouldn't win. They have an amazing goalie, and they really should continue on. That's two Florida teams, the one and two seeds. Can you believe that? Playing hockey. Now you know something's wrong. The number one and two seeds on the East are two Florida teams. The number one and two seeds. Oh, no, no, wait. I might be wrong. That might not be a two seed. No, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm mistaken. I'm sorry. I was just looking because the other ones are California. So it's just so weird. I mean, hockey's so strange. All right. So then I think the number two seed. I'm not positive. Oh, the two seed must be pit. Okay. The other two seed must be Pittsburgh. So the other matchup, and this must be like the, um, oh, okay, yeah, this, oh, no, 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 the two seed is Washington. Oh, actually, that, Washington has the greatest record there. I have, you know what? I have no idea what's going on. Anyway, I can't tell by where I am. Uh, Washington Capitals against Philadelphia Flyers. I think Washington will definitely win that series. They always play the playoffs tough. I don't think Philadelphia has a chance. Pittsburgh Rangers. You know I want the Rangers to lose badly. I want them to be humiliated. I don't think they can win anyway. I mean, all right, putting my feeling against the Rangers aside, Pittsburgh is so hot right now, I, I just don't see them losing. But that's the thing about the playoffs. That is the thing about the playoffs, about the hockey playoffs. You come in as the eighth seed in hockey only, and you can win it all. So it's hard to say. But I'm going to say that all the top seeds will move on. But, of course, that's crazy because that never happens in hockey. But on paper, that's the way it looks. Now, see, with the Western Conference, there's Anaheim against Nashville. I see no reason why Nashville can't beat Anaheim. So that one I'm going to say is a mess up. Los Angeles Kings against San Jose. I'm going to say the Los Angeles Kings. I mean, they are just playoff ready. They're amazing. I'm going to say they, they move on. Dallas against Minnesota. You know... I like Minnesota a lot, but um, Minnesota is playing horribly down the stretch, just horribly, and I do think Dallas will win. I usually don't bet against Minnesota in the playoffs, but I do think they're playing really sloppy. St. Louis and Chicago, St. Louis has a better record, but don't bet against Chicago in the playoffs. 
You know what I'm saying? So I think it'll be between L.A. and Chicago in the uh, you know the Western Conference final finals. I think you have um, a Pittsburgh-Washington matchup in the East, possibly. So there it is. I don't know. It starts tonight. You got to love playoff hockey. It's super fun. So I just wanted to bring it up and talk about it. Sorry. My cat's on my paper. All right. Let's talk about some uh, topics. We haven't done this in a long time. Uh, in the paper, there's a lot of police corruption going on. And it's so funny because, uh, well, it's not funny, but it's great. They, uh, they brought back Frank Serpico. Because when there's police corruption, Frank Serpico's on it. And he did a... He did a uh, editorial for the Post, and I, you know, it's so funny that he's still alive and he's so he's so cool and interesting. I mean, it's not, you know, you want it to be Al Pacino, but uh, you you forget that it's uh, based on a true story, and Frank Serpico is the greatest, you know, whistleblower in, you know, the NYPD history uh, for good reason, I suppose. But uh, he's like, uh, the, the headline is, "It's a dirty business as usual." Hey, Serpico. Once again, it's the same old story, police corruption. Is it a return to the bad old days, or did they never really go away? You tell them, Serpico. I just like saying Serpico. I've never seen that movie. I need to see that whole movie. I, you know, I've seen it in pieces. i got to see the whole movie. Al Pacino, that's when he was way cool. You know, way cool. Before he became, hey, you're telling me. Like, I know I'm doing... Uh, Doc from Back to the Future, but I mean, it pretty much sounds like that now. Hey, man. The LIPD watching us. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a listen, they sound alike. They do. Um, P Mike Piazza, he, uh, his home, the jersey he wore when he, on September, you know, after September 11th, when he hit the home run, which just really just made New York so happy, uh, the stupid Mets, a horrible organization, sold it. They auctioned it to a bidder years ago at a private sale. Douchebags. You know, I love the Mets. I love City Field. When you walk in there, there's no Met history when you walk in. There's no Met history because there's none. You know, because you're sitting there. And you're right by Yankee Stadium, which is the ris richest history in sports across the planet. So what do the Mets have? You know, you got, uh, uh, where's Tom Seaver? Where's Mike Piazza? You know, you got two guys. You got two championships and a couple World Series losses. You know, it, it, there's not a lot you can do. I mean, it's certainly better than you know, San Diego. But, you know, there's not a lot to do. So if you're going to give away a piece of merchandise that you can put up in the, the, the vestibule of City Field when you walk in, you suck. You, you know what they did? They have a Jackie Robinson exhibit. Did he play for the Mets? I don't think he did. I get it, you know, because that's what you're going to get. That's the only team that's left that you play, you know, the Dodgers, whatever. But, you know... I prefer a Piazza exhibit. I mean, how do you sell that thing? It's, like, important. And you don't have that much history that you're allowed to sell that. You know, 
I can see selling Derek Jeter's 3,000th hit when he hit that home run, which was unbelievable. I remember watching that live. I can see selling that jersey. You know why? Would I sell it if I was a Met? Absolutely not, because there's so few things you have as a Met fan. But the Yankees have so much. There's so much other Derek Jeter shit. You know, the, the, the shot where they started calling him Mr. November. You know, the the the, uh, the Jim Larich shirt home run, you know, that changed the entire fortune of the 90s Yankees. So you, you don't need it. You'll forget about that. The Piazza home run 9-11 jersey is like an American symbol. How do you get rid of that? So Piazza's father is trying to buy it back because he's like, this is ridiculous. It, it, everybody's like in an uproar because it's... It, it doesn't make they just suck, but that's how desperate need. This is all Bernie Madoff's fault. I don't think they would have let it go if it wasn't for Bernie Madoff, that dirty Jew. Yeah, I said it because you're all thinking it. Bernie Madoff. That's got to be the reason. Because how do you get rid of it? Every explanation I just gave you doesn't make any sense. It's a, an American piece of history. Do you know how good that that shot made everybody feel after 9/11? It wasn't just a New York thing. It was an American thing. I mean, he was... Piazza was the shit. And to give away a jersey where, you know, that's what he'll be remembered for. And, you know, because they if they had won the World Series that year when they played the Yankees in 2000, that would have been a completely different story. But they lost. And now it's just a footnote. And Piazza was great. And he's a legendary Met. It's him and Seaver. Those are the two guys, you know? I mean, I mean... You know, the 86 Mets, it's a whole crew. But these two guys at this point pretty much just represent. I mean, yeah, of course, you got Keith Hernandez, you got Ron Darling stuff. And they're, you know, happening now. And, you know, they, they do great announcers. And, and we love them. We always are going to love the 86 Mets. But there's no one person. You know, Piazza was the only guy. And Seaver's the only guy. They were the, they were the guys that bought us there single-handedly. 86 was a team effort, the best kind of team effort. The best. And now Ron Darling just wrote a book. He said, he was saying, the 86 Mets were, were drunk in the dugout all the time. You know, they're just drinking. And, you know, duh. Everybody knew. You know, I always thought about that. I mean, I was the same age as those guys when they were, you know, when they, when they were winning. I was thinking about that. And we, we must have all been doing the same kind of drugs. I mean, that's just what everybody did back then. Lots of Coke, lots of beer, pot, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, and, and they've made no bones about not doing it, and they didn't check for that kind of shit back then. And we all know what Mickey Mantle was capable of doing when he was hammered. And Keith Hernandez, when he's doing the Mets game now, when they um have an extra inning game, he always talks about when they had that uh 16 inning game in Houston for the playoffs to get to the World Series, and the when the Astros were in the National League. He said, the only reason I was upset about that game going so long is we ran out of beer in the dugout. <laughs> now, that's a real man. That is a real man. The thing about drinking and playing baseball is, like, I, I, I could totally be fueled, have a couple of beers and go out, hit some balls, really whack it hard. You know, starting, you know, if I start, let's say the game starts at 7, I start drinking around 7, right, about... 7.30, quarter to 8, I'm going to be up at bat and I'm going to be killing it. I'm going to be killing it. And then around, you know, 8.30, 9 o'clock, I'm going to be dead. 
<laughs> not going to be doing anything. We should check and see if the uh, Mets got their runs early during that season. He said you got to figure they're just loaded by then. It's like the way I bowl. You know, I start drinking when I get there. Fourth, fifth, and sixth frames. I'm amazing. You know, first two, three, I'm warming up. Four, five, and six, I'm unbelievable. Maybe this, And then it just starts, you know, tweeting off. If I don't get strikes in those three frames, I'm doomed. Because then the beer really starts kicking in. And I'm like, oh, I can't even carry the ball anymore. Uh, just looking at... Oh, and you know, speaking of um, uh, baseball and stuff, and the Mets are doing so horribly. I was like, I have a thing about, um, you know how I love food? <laughs> like really disgusting food. They're talking about what they have at Yankee Stadium now, which is just sick. In this um, era of health and weight consciousness, the Yankees just are saying, go fuck yourself. They have a barnyard wedding that's what it's called. Like, it can't call it a burger. It's a barnyard wedding. It's a custom blend beef patty, fried chicken cutlet, hash browns, barbecue sauce, and aged cheddar cheese on a pretzel bun. I want to eat that right now. My mouth is watering. I can barely talk to you. Then they have something called the goat burger, which is stand, the G-O-A-T stands for the greatest of all time. Beef topped with bacon, pastrami, American cheese, and goat sauce, which is greatest of all time sauce. The pictures that I'm looking at as I'm telling you this, you should look it up online. Ugh. The double-double. Two beef burgers, onion rings, American cheese, and buns made from a pair of grilled cheese sandwiches. Did you hear what I just said? It almost makes me want to become a Yankee fan. Two beef burgers, onion rings, American cheese, and buns made from a pair of grilled cheese the tape measure, a two-foot cheesesteak with either white American cheese or Cheese Whiz served on a hoagie roll with peppers and onions upon request. Oh, my. And they tell you what sections you can find all this in. Oh, my God. I don't want to watch the game. I just want to go and eat these burgers. Can you still get a ticket in the upper deck for, like, 10 bucks so I can just buy these? These burgers, these, this food is probably going to cost more than the actual ticket themselves. Boy, does that sound good. Oh, man. They're just trying to rival City Field because City Field has awesome food. And they're like, oh, maybe we should get it because Yankee Stadium sucks. You know it does. The new Yankee Stadium. Anybody that says it's... First of all, anybody that says it's better than City Field is just being an asshole Yankee fan. That's just being, you know, like a Republican that's just not listening to reason. City Field is amazing. If you like baseball fields and you respect the way they're made, City Field is badass. And Yankee Stadium, they dropped the ball, just like they did with MetLife. It has nothing to Look, I don't care for the Yankees, but if their stadium was kick-ass, I'd be going there all the time. Uh, you know, there's nothing better than seeing a great, you know, a ball game in a stadium, no matter who's playing. Seeing it live? So after speaking of that, it's kind of funny, because today I cut out an article about a twist on salads that are now put in it, 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 it looks so good and healthy for you they're, they're putting them this person has an idea putting them in a mason jar and you layer them so the sauce stays at the bottom and it doesn't all melt everything and you can bring it to work so you have like a barley and kale salad they all look very filling that's why I like it kale, diced bell pepper they, they show the layers it's very pretty 
cooked barley, half cherry tomatoes, English cucumber, diced red onion, and three tablespoons white wine vinaigrette. And you put it in a mason jar and you close it and you bring it to work. You know, I always would love to do this in a perfect world. You know, I'm not going to. But these salads look great. I mean, I would like to just have these at home when I get home or something if I was man enough to make them. The Caprice Pasta Salad. A quarter cup half mozzarella balls, one cup cherry tomatoes halved, one tablespoon thinly sliced red onion, two cups cooked fresh tortellini, two tablespoons basil pesto. It looks amazing in this jar. I mean, these look really good and they're, you know, good for you. I really want to make them. That's why I cut it out. I wasn't even going to talk about it on the podcast. I only was talking about it because it was in front of me, and I was like, well, if we're talking about the unhealthy stuff, might as well talk about the healthy stuff. It looks so good. I sent it to my nieces because my niece, my niece loves mason jars. I don't know. I think I told you on the podcast about a year ago when her and her best friend were fighting because something happened with their birthdays, and my niece Liza had gotten her best friend Lindsay a mason jar but couldn't tell her it was supposed to be a surprise, and... She got angry. I don't know, but they knew that her friend loved mason jars. And, you know, mason jars are becoming big. When I did the roller derby thing a couple weeks ago, I went to that great club in ridiculous Dunallen, New Jersey. They were serving uh, me a Jack and Coke in a mason jar. I like that. I like mason jars. You know what a mason jar is, right? It's like a jar with a lid. I, I, I really wasn't sure what it was for a while. I'm always thinking of John Adams. You know, he used to be a mason. Today in the paper, too. They, they were talking about having, like, adult dorms in Washington, D.C. They have them, uh, one that just opened. And, um, you know, it's interesting. They're just like, uh, it's called welive.com, I think. Yeah, welive.com, selling singles on communal living. Uh, you know, as long as you have your own room, I mean, that kind of sounds great. If I was, you know, younger, you know how I love being friendly with my neighbors, you know, you know, living in a sitcom world, I would love something like that. I think I would have loved, you know, as long as I have my own room. Living in a dorm-like situation would have been a lot of fun. I mean, technically, that's the way my first apartment in the city was anyway. I was very friendly with my neighbors. and I mean, I kind of make this place like that in a way, but and I have a bigger place. So, I don't know. This does sound like fun. I like being friendly with my neighbors. I remember when I first was friendly with my neighbors, people were like, wait, you're friendly with your neighbors? I mean... It's funny that that's actually not the way it is in New York, especially on the Upper East Side. It seems like every, you know, if you've been watching sitcoms the way I have, and I know a lot of you guys do, it seems like you would figure, like in Friends, this is what you do. But if you think about Friends, they weren't friendly with any of their neighbors, not one. They were only friendly with each other. Which is kind of weird because obviously those apartments are ridiculous. I don't think they exist unless you're Donald Trump. Uh, I mean, it was Rachel and Monica's apartment was two bedrooms, one bathroom. It was just so spacious and a, and a, and a balcony. But you did have to climb through the window. Eh. Um. And speaking, you know, I was thinking... Um, on Saturday, I went to Staten Island. I called uh, my friend, Cousin Frankie. And I met him and his father for dinner at um, some sports bar in Staten Island. And which, which was kind of funny because 
it was a great you know I you know I love those commercial like sports bars you know where they got all the TVs and everything and just it's like right and it was huge and it was so much better than those little stinky Staten Island bars I've been going to which you know I usually also like too but Staten Island is so gross that this was um, it was a very pleasant evening uh, you know after I uh, went to my mom's I just you know I'm driving through, I, I never want to go home it's Saturday night and I don't have any plans so you know when I'm driving home I, I call people in, I've been driving through Staten Island lately because it's easier to get home and you know it doesn't cost me going that way you know $100 since I've been going through the Lincoln Tunnel from my parking garage on the west side instead of what I used to do which was go through the Brooklyn Battery into the Verrazano I have probably saved like $300 a month because they were replenishing my Easy Pass every time I went to go visit anybody in New Jersey because it cost $30 every time I went um, just for tolls now when I go I only pay the Lincoln Tunnel fee um Actually, no, I only pay that on the way back. So uh, what am I paying? The uh, Atterbridge Crossing. That's it. Saves a lot of money. I mean, that's a lot of money. That Verrazano's like 15 bucks. Verrazano, the Brooklyn Queens. Right, so then you're saying uh, the, the, what, the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel or whatever they call it now, the Hugh Carey Tunnel, so annoying. Um, that's like $9. The Verrazano's 15 and the Atterbridge on the way, or the Lincoln Tunnel is 12 Look at the math. It's over $30. No wonder they were charging me like crazy. They would replenish it with like $100 every time, let alone the turnpike fees. So I fixed that problem. Uh, let's get to, well, let's see. Yeah. Here's something I wanted to talk about. A couple things I wanted to talk about last week. Now, all right. Uh, I think I got to pretty much everything. Uh all right. All right. Now, last week we talked about McLean Stevenson and what a complete asshole he is. Um, you know, how you're ungrateful for a part. Now, this, this has nothing to do with it. I'm just saying, talking about these little sitcom things. You know, I love sitcoms. Now, uh, okay. Okay. I just want to do this right. I want to get in the right order. This is so messed up. The thing I played at the top is a song from a TV show I remember so crazily vividly as a child that I can't even believe the song still exists and apparently you can get it on DVD. It was a show called... I'm just trying to figure out how to start this up. What I'm going to talk about today is Robbie Wrist. Now, he played... You will know him as Cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch, the legendary Cousin Oliver, which was uh, not the one that coined the phrase, but uh, actually, we're going to hear this woman say it, but one of the first instances of jumping the shark uh, once the Brady Bunch got Cousin Oliver to, because they needed a new kid, uh, the show just went downhill. Uh, they needed a new younger kid, you know, just the way Cosby did with um, the, the lesbian girl now, who... Uh, Olivia, or whatever her name is now, she's still kind of successful. Just came out of the closet. Um, I'm trying to remember her name, but and that is always the jumping the shark uh, thing. So, the, uh, what the the there's a channel called Decades. You know, there's all these little channels. You know, Antenna, Decades, um, MeTV. MeTV always has the Brady Bunch. On Sundays, they call it the Brady Brunch. Hilarious. But there's a 
channel called Decades, and they also air the Brady Bunch, and they were finally airing the Robbie Wrist episodes. Because I haven't seen them in a long time. For some reason, I think a lot of the syndication don't seem to run those particular episodes. I don't know why. But we all remember Cousin Oliver in every way. Everybody remembers Cousin Oliver. Robbie Wrist, that was his name. Now, this is the... Wait do you hear this. For April 4th. Today in 1964, actor Robbie Rist was born. Rist is best known for his portrayal of Cousin Oliver on The Brady Bunch. Critics claim the show jumped the shark by introducing the new character. It seemed as though Rist was hired on to bring back the charm of a young child actor. All of the Bradys were over the age of 12 by the fifth season. Unfortunately, Cousin Oliver only lasted six episodes before the series was canceled in 1974. This is Decades. Yeah, so they were doing... Are you ready? I mean, this is when you know that TV has run out of things to do. They did a Robbie Wrist tribute. I know I'm doing one now, but that's me. They're doing a Robbie Wrist tribute on his, on his birthday, April 4th. He's my age, which is so crazy. You know, watching him as a kid, I mean, so crazy. Uh, that we're, you know, that I'm the same age as half of these child actors that I grew up with. You know, it's so weird. So they're doing a tribute to Robbie Wrist. Okay, you know this guy? I'm going to go over some of his credits, but I just have to play this. This was the tribute they did two hours later. Today on Through the Decades, we dedicate the day to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and explore the faith that guided his life today on Through the Decades. You heard that right. I mean, are you as stunned as I am? So right after the Robbie Wrist tribute, they did a tribute to Martin Luther King in the middle of April. What the f- (laughs) What? What? Who's programming that network? How do I not have a show on there? They're obviously looking for idiots. Are you kidding? You did a Robbie Wrist... How are black people not calling up that network and being like are you joking are you joking this was your plan you know black people if you want to if you want to protest something i mean this that's that's kind of an outrage it's almost heresy <laughs> it's also the funniest thing i've ever heard i don't think anyone would believe me if i told them unless If I didn't have the clips, you'd probably be like, he's exaggerating. And you heard the Brady Bunch theme before it happened. I just taped it off the TV. That's so messed up. Anyway, speaking of Robbie Rist, (laughs) I mean, what's with this Martin Luther King guy? I mean, they were popular at the same time, if you think about it. uh, Oh, my God. So this Robbie Rist kid. Uh, I mean, I followed his career forever. I knew everything he was on without even having to look it up. You know what I'm saying? Not everything, but I'm saying I certainly knew a lot about him. I could, I don't even have, I'm looking if I wrote down what he's in. No, I didn't even write it down because I know, I, I knew off the top of my head four shows 
that I had seen him on after the Brady Bunch. How could I not follow him through the years? Uh, because he was so, you know, very, you know, he was Cousin Oliver, and he was interesting looking. He looked like John Denver. He had an interesting voice about him. Uh, this, for instance, now, later he played Ted Baxter's son on the Mary Tyler Moore show. And I was always surprised that they got, you know, a kid that well, everybody seemed to know, but probably, like, my parents wouldn't have known the difference. But this is him on the Mary Tyler Moore show. So, how was the new school? Oh, you should have seen it, Ted. They made such a fuss over David. <laughs> they? All the children are so smart. A nine-year-old girl gave me directions to the ladies' room in Latin. <laughs> Man. <laughs> How do you like the school, David? Oh, I think it's real neat. Now I have classmates I can relate to, and I think that's very, very important. Yes, I can understand that. <laughs> I think people usually get along with other people whose IQs are closer to their own. Don't you agree, Dad? Indubitably. <laughs> now, for instance, I'm sure the reason you get along so well with Mr. Slaughter here is because your IQ is probably very close to his. Interesting theory. What's your IQ? Go ahead and tell him, Mayor. Most people's IQs are lower than Davis. Doesn't mean anything, so you're not as smart as he is. Go ahead, tell him. 118. How about yours, Mr. Slaughter? 125. You see, very close. That's why you get along so well together. And nice little IQs they are, too. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to be embarrassed about. <laughs> What's yours, Dad? <laughs> oh, that Ted Knight was unbelievable. Isn't he? He's had such an interesting voice. I mean, there was something interesting about him, you know? He, he had an interesting demeanor about him, always playing kind of the smart kid. I liked his voice. Now, take Mr. Slaughter here. I mean, he's just, why would he know Mr. Slaughter? Um, <laughs> Mr. Slaughter. Um, so then, so yeah, so he played that role. But before he played that role, he was in this Saturday morning kid show that I remember so well called Big John, Little John. And the reason I probably remember is just from this opening title that was just the greatest song ever that not only do I remember, I, I remember it now. I hum it to this day before I even found it on YouTube. It's such a It's such a hot 70s. One minute he's 40, the next he's 33. I love that bass. I love that bass. Wait, let's do it again. You know I love that 70s. And and I used to play this song on my bike when I delivered papers. You know, I taped it from the TV. Nothing has changed for me. I taped it with my, you know, little tape recorder that, you know, Nixon, same one Nixon used. Um, off the TV, and then I'd put it on my bike in my basket for my in my paper thing that I carry the papers in, and I would play this song as I rode around, you know, thinking that I was in the show. Big John, Little John. Now, Big John, Little John also starred Stan from The Golden Girls, Herb Edelman, who I, you know, I now I have links to everybody. I'm going to explain in a second, but um, you know me. Uh, so he drank from the fountain of youth. Big John, Herb Edelman, and then he became little Robbie Wrist in the show. And he never knows when he's going to change back to big 
uh, he's a school teacher and then he's a kid and he's 12 and you know in talking to Sarah and uh, it's really funny in talking to Michael Sheen Michael Sheen's favorite American shows are the ones where they explain everything in the opening that's why he knew about Rhoda over in London because Rhoda says like I moved from Minneapolis. My de- my exam was on a book of matches. You know, remember they explained the entire of New York. This is your last chance. So he liked shows where they explained the whole opening. Probably that. Maybe the Beverly Hillbillies. So I can't wait to give him this one because I know he's gonna like it. They explain the whole opening. Let's listen to that song again. I just love it. I can. I swear. I knew all the lyrics except for the last part, which I changed when I was growing up. As you can plainly see, one minute he's 40, the next he's 33. I love this song. Big John keeps a changing before your very eyes. He's 25 and then 19, then 12 years old inside. And what's happening is is this. They have the old-fashioned 70s special effects, so they're just fading from faces. So they start with Herb Edelman, and he's got no hair, and then he gets a little hair. Then they go to three different actors until they get to Robbie Risk. But the weird part about it that I remember as a kid also is that they're all naked. I mean, obviously they're not naked, but they're shirtless, and it's awkward. <laughs> I remember it as a kid being awkward. Big John, little John, what a way to go. Oh, gross. Big John, little John, grew from high to low. Now, you'd think the song would end there, but no, now they explain the entire premise. Big John found the fountain of youth. He drank a little drink. Oh, great. And that magic water is the thing that made him shrink. See, for me, when I would sing it, I would be like, Big John found the fountain of youth. He took, I, I couldn't remember the legs. He took a little sip, and then that magic water turned him into shit, and that used to amuse me personally. There was nobody else that I knew, even in my age, that watched this show or knew anything about it except me. So that's a little joke I have to myself and to this very day, like a month ago in the shower, Big John. I mean, I remembered this song I loved it so much. I mean, I've been playing it now that I found it on YouTube when I'm walking home. It's a good song, right? It's exciting. (laughs) Now, even when he's little John, he never knows just when. Zap, he'll change and rearrange. And he's Big John again. If you get it on YouTube, you got to see it because their faces and Robbie Richards. It's like I, I just like I. All I wanted to do was be in that show. As a kid, this is why my life is so frustrating. That's all I wanted to do is I wanted to be in that show. I still want to do it now. I want to do that show now. Yeah, I just it's it it's so exciting, and yet I remember watching it. I was like, oh my god, this is boring. <laughs> I have I have a clip. Um, oh, you think this is bad? This, you know, remember when they had Saturday? And I'm going I'm to do a whole show on Saturday morning cartoons, whatever. This is NBC in 1976 decided to go all live action. So they had this. They had the talking dog, McDuff, and they had the kids from Caper or whatever. I, I remember all this stuff. and it was, But I didn't realize it was all one year. And then they just, the ratings were so horrible they gave up. Because they had Land of the Lost. And I think they were just, like, trying to bank in on that. And really, they just gave up on live action until, like, 1990 or 1989 when they came up with uh, Saved by the Bell. So this only lasted a season. There's only 12 episodes, but uh, remember, they, they, if you remember as a kid, 
on Friday nights before this first Saturday, they would have a premiere, a promo of all the new Saturday morning cartoons. I mean, it was the most exciting thing. And the, I feel so bad. This is probably why he killed himself. Freddie Prince was doing this particular one in 1976. You know, he was a huge star from Chico and the Man. And they have him dressed in like a, a carnival costume and he's doing these ridiculous bits. This is probably why he shot himself in the head. Be able to have two complete sets of ears. That's him singing. And dig all your music quadraphonically clear. But of course that's foolish. It just couldn't be. No one could be two. Especially not me. Or could they? Yeah, it's a canned laughter and applause, and they're in a park. There's no audience. Say, yeah, you are a little John, aren't you? Yeah, there's an applause break for Robbie Risk coming on stage, uh, but there's no audience. I'm never sure. Well, I imagine being Big John and Little John could create some problems. Yeah, like buying a kid's ticket to the movies and then changing into an adult while trying to pay for it. Buying a kid's ticket to the movies and then turning into an adult while trying to pay for it. Now that's... See, now... If that's all they got, I was like, I don't want to watch that. I'm stupid. That's that's the dilemma. Buying a ticket to the movies and then you turn in. I think there'd be bigger dilemmas. Like maybe, you know, making a duty and then you change. What do you do then? Do you get off the bowl or do you just wait for it to change? Is it going to be a bigger duty? Yeah. Those are just a few of the milder things that happen on NBC's hilarious new Saturday morning series, Big John, Little John. You also visited... Ponce de Leon Park. Now that is a beautiful little park where Ponce de Leon searched for the mythical fountain of youth. A science teacher accidentally drinks from the fountain of youth, and Big John turns into Little John. What a little boy! Perfect! I look like I'm 12. How can I be 12? I have a son who's 14. I am John Martin, your husband. You might be able to fool somebody else, but you can't fool me. If I'm big, I'll be a teacher. If I'm little, I'll be a student. I hate being called a little boy. You guys don't hate it half as much as I do. Big John, Little John, which will he be? Premieres tomorrow at 11.30, 10.30 Central, 10 Pacific. Uh, I loved that. I mean, I just, I think, I don't think I love the show because the show just wasn't executed properly, but, you know, they had bad special effects back then, but the opening song was so good, I watched every episode. Um, here's the funniest thing, and only your pal Dave Juskow and possibly Frank Santa Padre would know this. His wife or mother, whoever he is, when he's Big John, Little John, is Joyce Bullifant, and Joyce Bullifant is Murray Slaughter's wife on the Mary Tyler Moore show, which means that Robbie Rist and Joyce Bullifant work together multiple times, as if Joyce Bullifant on the Mary Tyler Moore show said, you know, I got a kid who would be perfect for the role of David uh, as Ted Knight's son if you want to think about using uh, my co-star in Big John Little John, Robbie Rist. I mean, what? <laughs> Did you ever think that Robbie Riss and Joyce Bullifant would make such a, a wonderful pair? Big John has a problem, as you can plainly see. One minute he's 40, the next he's 33. I like that it goes up. Big John keeps a changing, changing before your very eyes. 
25, and then 19, then 12 years old inside. Big John, little John, what a way to grow. Big John, little John, grows from high to low. But a big John found the fountain of youth. He drank a little drink. And then that magic water is the thing that made him shrink. Well, you know I have my own lines. Now, even when he's little John, he never knows just when. Snap, change, and rearrange, and he's big John again. Oh, I could, I could play it a hundred times. I think I'm going to. You know, I'd, normally I would not play. I mean, I'd be like, oh, my God, you know, you guys, they, they've heard enough. But you know, that song is rocking. <laughs> it's so awesome. I don't know why. <laughs> so anyway, so get this, right? So now, you know, if, if Sarah's going to call me again and ruin my good time with this, you know, screw you. I got a story about Robbie Rist and I got a story about Herb Edelman and no one's going to take it from me. Now, I never met Herb Edelman, but this is the funny, you know, I got a six degrees of separation thing going. My best pal, Lawrence Lerman, growing up and still to this day, Lawrence Lerman, his mother, his mother, my best friend's mom was proposed to by Big John, Herb Edelman, many years ago in the 60s. Herb Edelman was also the telephone repairman in uh, Barefoot in the Park with Jane Fonda. I mean, this guy was a character actor. He was uh, Murray the Cop in The Odd Couple. I mean, he worked with all the greats and Robbie Rist and Joyce Boulefon. Uh, You know, and then he, and then he was amazing on uh, Golden Girls. I mean, he was amazing. Now he, he's dead. But um, Mrs. Lerman could have had this uh, very luxurious lifestyle if she had taken Herb Edelman's proposal. But then, of course, I never would have probably met Lawrence Lerman. And as for Robbie Rist, I met him in person. And I couldn't believe it. I mean, I was overjoyed. You know me. You know, I'm excited to work with Richard Klein. Um, And that's not a joke. You know, I get really excited about this. You know, there's a couple of us out there, uh, you know, that get excited. Like, you know, Gilbert Gottfried and and Frank Padre. they understand. So I was at a voiceover audition in L.A., and I sat right next to Robbie Rist. I didn't recognize him. He looks completely different, even though he technically doesn't. He's just fat now. And he's got hippie hair. He plays the guitar, and he's cool. He's just, you know, he's just big. And we just started talking, and I found out who he was. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm a huge fan of yours. Like I really was. And I said, I, I said, I'm Big John, Little John was like my favorite show. And he was nothing but nice because he obviously gets it all the time. You know, it's just weird because when you see guys like that, and you're like, oh, thanks a lot, dude. You know, like when we were just saying, doesn't he have an interesting voice as a little kid? And then he's like, hey, thanks a lot. So I think. Uh, you know, he does a lot of voiceover work. I believe he was in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think he was in both productions. So he gets a lot of voiceover work, so he still, I think, has some money. You wouldn't know it by his wardrobe, uh, you know, if you look him up online. But seems like he's putting it together. But how exciting is that to meet him, right? It's like when I met Tony Roberts that day at that audition, remember? And I'm, like, going a mile a minute. You know, because I got, you know, having a connection, having that, you know, meeting people like that that I didn't think existed you know like in the 70s when you're watching and it's like where are these people live where do they come from I'm never gonna meet Robbie Rist in my lifetime life I mean that was exciting for me I mean it was I, I followed this guy's career I remember when he was on the bionic woman he was on a story arc of the, Bio- the bionic woman there she went back to her teaching I'll never forget it I remember this I just remember this I didn't look it up or anything he was on the bionic woman for like three episodes where she went back to being a school teacher 
and uh, and he was one of the students. And one day she's getting angry at the students and she rips a phone book in half while she's talking and I don't think she realized she's doing it. And the kids are like, what the? I mean, he was just in everything back then, you know? You just, you recognize him everything. And it's just kind of weird that he got these smaller parts because, you know, the, it's like if you were me, that Brady Bunch thing just put him into this stratosphere of greatness. And then he had his own series and then to have him in just these tiny little parts, it just seems strange, but... You know, he was a working actor like anybody else, I guess. It's just you just don't see kids these days go from show to show like that. Like that like that girl who um did the voice of Lucy in the Peanuts cartoon, who I also had a dealing with, Pamela Ferdin, who also played Edna Unger on the odd couple. I mean, she was in everything. She was in a Saturday morning cartoon show called The Curiosity Shop that I remember. I mean, she was in everything back then. You just don't see kids these days going from show to show you know like uh you know like like the, i've been watching fuller house the full house sequel and you know where were those kids before full house and fuller house you know you just it, it's just you don't see a lot of character work with the actors these days it seems like they're very specific uh i don't know i don't know so it's funny about this kid i don't know why i know what i know but you know obviously television was very impressionable for me and and that was the deal and uh R.I.P. Robbie Riss. No, I'm kidding. He's still alive. I mean, there's a guy I could probably call and we could have a conversation on the phone. It would be interesting. But, I mean, you know, I, I would love to know stuff. Remember I told you, you know, that I had, um, you know, my run-in with the Brady Bunch, even though I never met any of the people at the Brady Bunch. I was very good friends. Okay, can I say this too, Sarah? My God! I'm just, I'm just thinking, now, now it's bothering me every time with that Gary Shandling thing. You know, am I not allowed to tell any stories of the people I met and had dealings with on my own besides her? I was very good friends, very good friends with Ken Ober, who was the um, old MTV host of Remote Control with Colin Quinn and Adam Sandler. And um, we were very, very good friends. We really were. I, I, now I feel like I'm lying, like I'm, I'm, I'm pulling up Brian Williams all the time. God, it's horrible. And um, he's dead now, but he had a radio show with Cindy Brady. And um, so he told me, you know, that he went to Cindy's wedding and he sat, you know, I've told you this on the show before, and that he sat with the Brady Bunch. You know, of course, obviously she invited all her brothers and fake TV brothers and sisters to her wedding. And he sat with them because they were very close at the time. They were doing the radio show together in California at a morning radio show, Cindy and Susan Olson and uh, Ken Ober, which is odd since she, uh, you know, clearly has a lisp. <laughs> Why would she get a radio show? I don't know, because she's Susan Olson. Uh, so, yeah, he sat with Greg and Bobby and Marsha at the same table. Can you imagine? And Florence Henderson. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I remember I talked to, I think I told you this, I was on, when I was on Star Search, Martha Quinn, also from MTV, was doing some, I guess, remote, doing kind of like what uh, Ryan Seacrest was doing uh, for American Idol back then, Ed McMahon being the host, and she would be doing the other stuff. And we had a long talk because she was in, was she in the Brady Christmas one? I think she was in the Brady Christmas one and was dating Bobby in the very Brady Christmas, I, I believe. I could be wrong on that, but she was in one of the Brady Bunch ones. And I, you know, had, that's what we talked, she was nothing but delightful and so cute but that first thing I had to ask her I'm like oh my god dude, what was it like working with the Brady I mean 
who doesn't want to know that that grew up with the Brady Bunch you just want to know everything you're like part of this mythical family I mean that's why Adrian Curry got so involved when she was on that VH1 show she's like I I think you should listen to me doing a, we should have another spinoff show where me and Peter Brady I'm going to try and sleep with Peter Brady like he after the show was over like she he saw tapes of her talking because you know they taped everything and you know when they were living on, on that house together can't remember what the story was and it was Peter Christopher Knight and her and you know uh, Vern Troyer the mini me you know and a couple of the wrestler or whatever and she's like I'm gonna try and bag a Brady this is what she was telling the folks at VH1 of course they were videotaping it and then when he saw it he's like what the what is this you set this up she's like I'm gonna try and sleep with Peter Brady okay which wasn't a difficult task she's gorgeous and 20 years younger and he still looks really good and he's cool but you know and then they then they got married I think and then there was another reality show based on that and you know but who didn't want to who wouldn't you can't blame her in a way I mean I know she was looking for uh you know recognition and stuff but I mean who wouldn't want to be a Brady it's anybody who and not just my generation but anybody that watched the Brady Bunch you just wanted to be a part of that household that's why it's still so damn popular that's why they made two other movies even though they were jokes I mean as much as Robert Reed hated being on that stupid show, that's what made it so interesting. It was like this perfect family. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? We all have quirky families, no matter whether they're great or not. And this was this really awesome family that just did all these great things together, which were stupid. And, you know, in retrospect, they're retarded. And that's what Robert Reed was going like. This is ridiculous. This is the 60s. Everybody's not doing this. It's not. This isn't a show from the fifties. And Sherwood Schwartz would be like, "Shut up, Reed. Shut up, you homo." <laughs> Which he should have said. He's like, "Look, do you want to do it? Or just then, just leave. What are you What are you wasting my time for? Just get off the show. We'll get. We'll get somebody to replace you. You know, back then you could replace Darren from Bewitched. You could replace Robert Reed in two seconds. He kept going with the show and then showing up drunk and uh, being like, no, no, I love the kids. Oh, if you love the kids. You know, I talked about this the other day. If you love the kids so much, then why are you getting drunk on the set and being an asshole? You know, and with that, what can I say? But uh, <laughs> obviously, Big John has the problem, as you can plainly see. One minute he's 40, the next he's 33. Big John keeps a changing before your very eyes. He's 25 and then 19, then 12 years old inside. Big John, little John. What a way oh, here's one thing I want to say before we go. Um, that wasn't going to be the closing credit. Well, I think it will be today, won't No, we've played it enough, right? Have we? <laughs> Because, uh, you know, if I'm listening, obviously, you know, I listen to the podcast once, uh, th all the way through when I'm walking, you know, I'm going to want to hear this when I'm walking around. I just I can't get enough of it. Um, there's one thing I want to say. This weekend, I have to go see my uh, nephew in uh, Beauty and the Beast production. Remember I told you how angry I was that they stopped the kiss? Remember everybody, how exciting it was that uh, I don't think I told you the uh, end of this, you know. My nephew is playing the Beast, and the hottest girl in school is playing the Beauty, Belle. And she was uh, Ursula and the Little Mermaid, and I'm like, oh, my God. She's, I mean, she's ridiculously hot. And you know she's going to be hot when she gets older. And she is known as the hottest girl in school, but she has not had her first kiss. And it's hilarious that everybody knows. She has not had her first kiss. And my nephew is floored by her. I mean, he is in love. 
he's in love and he you know we talked yesterday and he's like i don't think she likes me and then i found out that it was his old girlfriend that told me he didn't like her. i'm like don't listen to her she's crazy you don't know if she doesn't like you yet anyway he's manly enough that he should be able to make the move at some point but apparently she's also the most popular girl in school so it's very difficult and he's a nerd but not that much of a nerd because he is uh, tall and handsome and he's playing the beast so he's doing all right he's doing better than i was so Anyway, they were supposed to be the kiss, and they were supposed to practice the kiss, and she was like, and remember I told you this story about how all the girls I've ever worked with always want to practice the kiss and all the shows that I've ever done. They're like, we should really practice the kiss. I'm like, you know, the kiss isn't really that important. It's just a kiss at the end, you know, like they do in a sitcom. And like, well, we should really practice it. And I'm like, you know, then who am I to say? But I, I'm trying not to be creepy, but I mean, they're, they're, they're bringing, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And these, these are hot girls. I mean, hot girls. It was a hot situation. I'm telling you. If you're young, in their 30s, come up with a show and make a kissing scene. Hello. That's how I had my first three-way. I'm just saying. Just saying. Casting still works. Uh, anyway, uh, so this, so, so she's like, you know, we're going to practice kissing. The guy keeps posting, the director keeps uh, putting it off, putting it off. And then it turns out, and remember I had a big spiel about it, they're canceling the kissing scene. And everybody was furious. Furious. I was furious. I'm like, are you kidding me? They're going to cancel the kids. That's the most important thing. It's exciting because, you know, it's gotta, what are they going to do? Are they going to hug? That's so, that's so lame. They're 13. You can have a little peck. You know, whatever it was going to be. It was exciting. Everybody was excited. Remember I told you the girl's parents were excited. I talked to them. And then I thought maybe that was my fault that I told the parents about it. And I was so excited that maybe I ruined it. Here's what happened. And you know what? I'm okay with this. Um, they were practicing the kiss. And then apparently, the rest of the cast, everybody in the you know the audience at the rehearsal, whoever was at the rehearsal, started picking up their phones and started recording. And then the guy said, "Okay, we're not doing this." And you know what? I can't blame him for that, because that that's got to be very uncomfortable for my nephew, for that girl. And it's not fair for everybody to just be gathered around with their phones recording, and it's just. It really is a little unacceptable, right? So, you know what? I'm okay with it. My sister today, she goes, well, I told Billy he should just plant one on her anyway at the end of the show. And I'm like, are you crazy? Don't tell him that. He's gonna, that's all he's going to be thinking about. This performance is going to be ruined. That's all he's going to be thinking about is the end. Like, should I do it? Should I just go for it? No, I said, D tell him do not do that because that will make him insane. Can you imagine being 13 and being like, all right, I'm going to go for it. Nobody's know. You know I mean? That's all. Unless you were demoned from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, there's no way you're not thinking about it. You know it's going to affect your performance. It's not like Spinal Tap. We're like, David, I just don't want it to affect your performance. No, I'm a professional. I'll rise above it. No one is that cool except for Damone in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Where his mother says, listen, just plant one on her. Goes, yeah, you really think I should? Yeah, maybe I'll do that. Yeah, I'll play it cool. You know, I won't tell anybody I'm going to do it. And then just as the end comes, I'll be like, all right, baby, let's go for it. That's the only guy that can pull that off. The only guy. Should I do it? Let's just take it from the uh, the middle. John found the fountain of youth. He drank a little shrimp. Oh, damn it. And then that magic water is the thing that made him shrink. Now even when he's little John, he never knows just when. Zap, he'll change and rearrange, and he's Big John. Uh, 
All right. That's all. That's all the show for today. It's going to be a great one. Um, no, it was a good one, right? I think it was a good one. It was a festive, old-school Dave Just Got podcast. That's the way it is. I don't know what I'm going to do for PodFest. I don't know. I would like to do a show just like this, but would anybody come to see this performed? It's kind of performing. You see my hands going crazy. I'm like Louis Black over here. I'm going crazy. Can you imagine me telling people at the cake shop in the Lower East Side, a bunch of 20-year-olds, about the greatness of Robbie Wrist? You know I can't do that, so I got to come up with something. I mean, I even made it bad because I told everybody I was going to, uh, you know, do a reading from Hannah and her sisters, so it's still just as bad. But if I have Rachel, then I don't care. Then we can do this because Rachel's hilarious. We get Rachel and Irene together, and they'll just make fun of me. I mean, that's a fun show. I don't know. When are they going to sell tickets? I don't care. Uh, right now, you have zero out of 100, and I'm like, yeah, because what do you want me to do? She's like, can you promote it on the... On the uh, red eye, and I'm like, well, how am I going to promote it on red eye? I don't know what I'm doing. I promoted the Godfather show. I forgot because they had a Periscope show later. I couldn't even do it on red eye. I did it for a Periscope thing later, and, and I forgot. I forgot. I'm concentrating the Godfather thing right now. I, I, I thought I'd do Podfest after May 3rd. I still have three weeks to go, but what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? There it is. All right, so next week we'll concentrate on the NBA playoffs. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll fascinate Mary with some more Robbie Wrist stories. And um, it would be interesting to see what a 23-year-old thinks about uh, Robbie Wrist <laughs> or something else. We'll come up with some other stuff, but we'll talk about NBA just um, because why not? Because Tom Shalhoub introduced me as a sports analysis yesterday. Analysis. Uh, analyst. Oh, my God. Yesterday. So um, I still have to be into sports, you know. you got to do it sometimes, even if you like it or you don't like it. But, uh, okay, we'll enjoy the hockey playoffs for now. NBA playoffs start next week. You know, it's kind of a fun season with the playoffs. Enter, you know, it's always uh, hockey one night, basketball the next when it gets down to it. And uh, I don't know. Have a great weekend, everybody. And I will see you next week on the Dave Juskow Podcast. This is Jeff Kastim signing off. Kissing.